Hello and welcome to another episode of Media Literate, a collaborative podcast where a bunch of grad students uh, fight our our insecurities <laughs> about only being film studies. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be not, not real film students. Um, you may be noticing I'm alluding to a thing. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. Kim Henry. I'm this Laura is. Broman. Ooh, we did. Actually, I think that's our best introduction of our names this whole time. Quite possibly. Did it's we forget what... last time? We might have forgot last time. Yeah, if we don't forget our names, we just like completely bungle the whole thing. So I'm happy that we did this. I think this is going to be a good episode. Not only will this episode be incredible because of this smooth and savory spice butter opening but also we are welcoming on a new team member for this <gasps> podcast yes what? you what? may have heard in previous episodes honestly i can't remember if we said it or not <laughs> we are being joined by someone who is outside of our uh our sort of like cohort at grad mm-hmm. school uh and also outside of our general yeah. academic discipline. This is a big moment. Yeah. This is a we... scary moment. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to confront some really important things in this episode because mm-hmm. we are welcoming Julia Elizabeth Evans onto yes. the podcast. Yeah. yeah. But in particular, what makes Julia such an interesting addition to our team is that she is a uh, a production student. But uh, before we get to introduce Julia Evans, um, I think it's time for what has become my favorite segment mm. of the pod. Yes. It's cannon fodder. I don't know. I was going for a different code shift was, then. It, okay. That was not. That wasn't an error. That was. None of this I feel like is doing like a cute little like a like a trumpet jig like yes yeah that's what it is now what did like you watch this <laughs> it's kind of cute I got a twofer for you believe ooh. it or not so double barrel cannon fodder yes let's uh, ooh I love it let's let's break this down okay let's go so the first film that I watched. Uh, and this is going to be a much longer one than the second one that we discuss, uh, was uh, David Fincher's The Social Network. Wait, you haven't seen that, Laura? Uh, <laughs> well, I fucking have now. <laughs> that's, that's wild. Uh, um, and yes, this is why it's sort of a modern canon class, often considered one of David Fincher's best. Mm. <sighs> mm, that's okay, debatable. So let's... Let's talk about it. Um, I'd like to open this with a quote from uh, Roger Ebert, the great film critic, the only Roger Ebert quote that I think is valuable Uh about a different film, but I think it applies here. I hated this movie. Hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. So that's, that's really. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. Roger Ebert, what a. Stunning, stunning with words. He was. Wordsman. Um, Yes. That guy. (laughs) So. Uh, the Social Network, if you somehow don't know, is about the origins of Facebook uh, it, and Mark Zuckerberg's um, rise to fame and the kind of enemies he made along the way. Uh, and um, he is in the movie and I assume in real life, a disgusting mm-hmm. misogynist, a bit of an incel, and as are basically all of the men in this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to start off by saying that as a feminist, 
I can understand the difference between a movie that is about misogyny and mm-hmm. a movie that is itself misogynistic. There is a divide there, and mm-hmm. this is something that is important to recognize uh, when watching movies with a critical eye to social issues in general. I think that early, the movie came out in 2010, and from Jump, people were kind of commenting on the, its portrayal of women, and a common mm-hmm. response was, well, that was history. And that's what, like, the movie is not trying to hate on women the characters are hating on women and you need to recognize the difference and i i do okay uh-huh. nonetheless i have it's been a while since i watched a movie that just want made me want to lie face down on the floor for like a good seven hours afterwards like th- there is a point at which in some movies that line between showing misogyny and being misogynistic mm-hmm. Uh, blurs to the point that it kind of vanishes. And both uh-huh. David Fincher and the screenwriter Aaron Sorkin are like famously people who struggle with this line. So <laughs> I want to just, okay, so first thing, I want to uh, read a quote to you from, uh, this is a little different. I guess I should start off by saying the craft of the movie was very good. I do remember it having an aura of uh, melancholy. It is... The, the soundtrack is wonderful. The performances mm-hmm. are wonderful. Uh, the script is very tight and every scene is very well crafted. These are people who are all very good at their jobs. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll say that out there. But like, okay, so somebody, uh, Aaron Sorkin responded to comments that the, the film uh, failed its female characters early on in uh-huh. like after it was released. And he said, I have a quote for you. He said the following. Mm-hmm. I was writing about a very angry and deeply misogynistic group of people. These aren't the cuddly nerds we made movies about in the 80s. They're very angry that the cheerleader still wants to go out with the quarterback instead of the, instead of the men, boys, who are running the universe right now. Mm-hmm. The women they surround themselves with aren't women who challenge them, and frankly, no woman who could challenge them would be interested in being anywhere near them. These women, whether it's the girls who are happy to take their clothes off and dance for the boys or Eduardo's psycho girlfriend are real. I mean, really real. Eduardo is uh, the one. Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Yeah, he did great. Um, So here's the thing. I understand that, again, (laughs) these men are misogynists. The Uh women they surround themselves with are, in Aaron Sorkin's view, (laughs) women who are not uh going to challenge them what Aaron Sorgan's basically uh-huh. saying here is it's not that I don't want to be respectful towards women it's that in the true story this film is telling mm-hmm. the women who would realistically have been in the spaces where the film takes place uh-huh. are not deserving of our respect so these are women who are kind of take through they're they're dancing at college parties they're getting really drunk they're mm-hmm. like smoking lots of weed they're kind of like cute wrestling each other while like the programming men talk business and computers in like the foreground. They're I love props. wrestling with right. girls uh, adjacent to business deals. I don't right. know. Right. Have you never and, done that? <laughs> I mean, I do it all the time. It's just like, no. Um, so, <laughs> right. They are props. They are furniture. They are very much set dressings. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, Aaron, like, you're fucking talking about teenagers, dude. Like, you're talking about people who either are here to have fun mm-hmm. and or, or there are people who are you know, I don't know, maybe feeling pressured to respond in situations this way, because Mm -hmm. uh, that is what patriarchy does to us. And, you know, I have been the girl 
uh, at the frat party who nobody wants to talk to because I'm just some guy's date and Mm -hmm. it sucks. It sucked then in the moment and it sucks now. And I think back like, God, what a waste of time that was. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, uh, every woman is deserving of feminism, even the bimbos. And this is something that I think that we have all kind of come to accept more of as time has gone on, right? Aaron Sorkin was writing this back in 2010. Um, I don't know what Aaron Sorkin has learned, but like people, I think the discourse has changed slightly around that. I think that's Uh good. He has this very, um, this attitude of like, well, you know, I have the Rashida Jones character and the Rooney Mara character are both strong, independent women. So like, how could I be a sexist for making every other woman, uh, you know, a dumb slut? And like, uh, (laughs) Good arguments, Aaron. <laughs> right. So here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. So th- there's the, the women don't say things. They are not asked things. And I believe mm-hmm. that that is somewhat historically accurate, right? The, yeah. Like Aaron's right that, I don't know why I keep calling him Aaron, like we're friends. Sorkin is right that in these spaces, probably like th- there were like, they, they were there to be party girls. And yeah. so what do you do in order to not, um, not end up showing the women as, just set decorations because that's Mm -hmm. how it felt to watch it. I think that this is a great reason for us to understand film theory Mm -hmm. because the male gaze as developed by Laura Mulvey and uh, further built on by lots of other good people has Uh posits that uh, the male character and the camera take on the same perspective. And mm-hmm. that perspective is also in unity with the perspective of the male spectator. These three uh, male gazes are in mm-hmm. unison. Yeah. And uh, so that would suggest that the the male characters, the way they see women is the same as the way the camera sees the women, which is to say that they are set dressings, they are props. Yeah. Uh, and that's not the way it has to be. Mm-hmm. We, we can break this unity between the camera's eye and the uh, and the male character's eye. We don't have mm-hmm. to show the world as Mark, Mark Zuckerberg sees it, because when we do that, we end up sort of validating it in a certain way. Because you weren't uh-huh. if you show if you try to talk about misogyny, but you don't actually ask like show any women's like perspectives. You're just gonna you're just being misogynistic. You are so. I, I want to share a brief anecdote, first of all, about a time when I was out to lunch with a male friend at like a cafe where you order at the counter and then they bring it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was buying and we go up to the counter and the, the cashier asks my, my guy friend, mm-hmm. like, what'll it be? We both order. Um, and the cashier says, can I have a name for that? I say, Laura, she, the cashier says this to my guy friend. I say, Laura. Uh-huh. The cashier says to my friend, great, that'll be 1850 or whatever. And I say, here's my card. I'm paying. I'm like waving the card in front of her face. Like, and this was like, we kind of like laughed about this afterwards because it was such a silly moment. But like, that is the way it feels to watch this movie where you're like, hello, I am talking to you and you are a hundred percent talking past me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to share what I think is a good kind of potentially good counter example to this, like how this could work in in like actually kind of breaking that that unity between the male the male perspectives the male character's perspective and the camera's perspective so this is mm-hmm. i'm just going to play a clip this is from master of none and i know that 
this is Aziz Ansari is like his whole whole own problematic figure and yeah he's got he's got a lot going on got a lot Uh, going on that show is a very good show it's a very good show and this episode was written and directed by women um it is uh this episode is all about like the way the differences in the way men and see men and women see the world and Mm -hmm. um in this case uh it's uh, Aziz's character and a couple female friends and a couple guy friends at a bar and a man comes up to them and shakes all of their hands mm-hmm. except for the women's hands and he mm-hmm. just like introduces himself to everybody except for the women and then walks away and so this is the conversation next so there's a thing what you didn't notice that that guy only introduced himself to the men at the table he went right past us like Denise and I were invisible yeah he totally snubbed us I don't know. I don't think that was intentional. You guys were sitting in the corner. He was probably just in a rush. Yeah, well, in this rush, he managed to shake hands with two random dudes and Arnold. He didn't think we were important enough. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like you might be reading a bit much into it. We're telling you that this is something that definitely happens to women all the time. A thing. Deny our perception of the world. Here's my So that's like a really short clip, but that's like basically just... <laughs> they then have a conversation about it. They work through it, and they like move forward. And like... That, I don't know about you, Kim, but, like, that handshake thing has happened to me so many times. Mm. And, like, seeing that, like, on camera, like, in a, in a show was stunning because nobody had ever acknowledged that in media before to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's how, just, uh, like, women have perspectives on this. Yeah. So that was the first movie I watched. I know this is getting really long. The second movie, right after I watched uh, The Social Network, I watched Mm -hmm. Roman Holiday, which is, uh, you know, classical Hollywood canon and was actually extremely lovely. Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn were both iconic and beautiful. And it was like, it was like, if you've seen, um, uh, what's that movie with Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant? It's like that movie, but like, the original version of that. Oh, Notting Hill. Notting okay, Hill. Okay. It's a lot like Notting Hill. <laughs> when you but... said Julia Roberts, I was thinking Julie Andrews, and I was like, that's a pretty intense age gap. I'm like, <laughs> super into it. Honestly, so would be so into uh, it. But, um, so okay, hold on. Coming back. Yes. Roman Holiday is great. Uh, it's not without its problems, but they didn't make me want to walk into the ocean. So... That's there we really go. Uh, the baseline of what you can ask for from a yeah. film. So that so was good. It was great. It was, it <laughs> made me very happy. It made me tear up, but not in like an upset, you okay. know, uh, sad about misogyny way. More just in a, this is plug on my heartstrings way, which is nice. the way okay. I'd rather tear up, frankly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So um, between these two entries into the canon it sounds like you are potentially not recommending uh if you must watch the social network please please watch it with an eye to how women are framed in this movie that is ostensibly trying to critique misogyny and ask yourself whether they are really being portrayed in a way that actually critiques misogyny or whether it does inadvertently reinscribe certain Mm-hmm. misogynistic uh tropes hell yeah also pirate it don't pay <laughs> nobody for that movie <laughs> all right well when we come back we will have julia evans here to just like help us understand what the fuck is wrong with aaron sorkin yes and david fincher and david fuck david fincher, fincher. <laughs> i thought he was dead and also and then make david happened. finch 
David Finch. David Lynch. <laughs> David Lynch, also not dead. But yeah, no, I thought David Lynch also was much, dead. a much better boy than David Fincher. Among the opinion. boys, we prefer David Lynch yes, to David Fincher. Among the Davids. Um, and all of them to Mark Zuckerberg. Well, welcome back, y'all. Guess who's here? <gasps> I'm so excited. It's a new person. Say your name. I'm a new person, and my name is <laughs> Julia Elizabeth Evans. Introduce yourself. What are you about, Julia? I am a I am a filmmaker. I'm a producer, a writer, and a director. I uh, I'm a, a current MFA student at the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts. So <laughs> we are we, <laughs> we are peers, but we are also Ooh. adversaries. <laughs> okay when you said we are peers I got like a little heart flutter I was like a peer with a production student you think of (laughs) us as like we're like the same we're like equals uh and then you said adversaries and it like I was like yeah you're right I'm I'm trying to only set up the point you're sowing seeds of Mm -hmm. of discontent up in here we're yeah. we're getting into it but let me i'll just say a little more about who i am just please for, yeah just to, for plug purposes of my own plug away yeah, yeah. okay i'm gonna go way back because it's relevant i mm-hmm. studied philosophy and i guess political science but like i got hard into philosophy as an undergrad nice so that's why i that's why I'm here for this this book. That's why you this, vibe this with us. I was, yeah, and I didn't want to get I didn't want to like spoil anything, but uh yeah, we really vibe yeah. and I vibe with with the the MA cam students. Anyway, nice. Yeah, so I did that and then I became a documentary filmmaker in the in New Orleans and throughout the South. I'm from the South originally. Mm-hmm. And uh then uh I kind of realized pretty immediately when I realized I was a filmmaker that I wanted to do television writing because I am I'm just kind of a really big reader like uh, Mm. novels I just consume them and Mm -hmm. in the same way that I also just really consume media I just really love the kind of long form storytelling and that's kind of what I'm here at USC to do is to make this transition from nonfiction to fiction um, storytelling. Uh, Another reason that uh julia is here it's because she is not just she's not just a friend of the pod she's mm-hmm. a fan of the pod oh yeah dude yeah she's There's, a part of the pod too and now she's a part of the pod so yeah. like hey guys if you subscribe who knows maybe we'll make you like a producer or something hey with us. <laughs> yes no julia um he also has really that, cool blue hair oh yeah yeah that's another really cool thing about julia uh just like we gotta paint a picture <laughs> this audio medium yes um but yeah no one thing that i think sort of inspired this episode coming into being was when we were working on another project together um Mm. i mentioned that i had a podcast and and you went and listened and i remember you introducing yourself as a production student and because there is this beef that we will explain in further detail i when julia hit me up and was like yeah i just i really love your show you guys are great i I almost fell out of my chair. I was just like, you do? <laughs> you know, if I like the show all the way yet, but thank you. <laughs> I was like, you get what we're talking about? This is like, 
it was really cool to be able to talk to someone who is making movies like this thing that I think we all are very excited about, regardless of how we consider the relationship between the theorist and uh, the producer, mm-hmm. um, the mm-hmm. artist. Um, but like just to have someone who's into that end of things listen to us be like, all right, now let's like really fucking dig in and, and figure out what all these movies are about and like vibe with it was really, really cool. Yeah, so I was I was an instant fan. I'm gonna be I'm not gonna be sh- I'm gonna be shameless about this. I listened <laughs> to it and I just listened to all of it. Um really cool. <laughs> and also I wanna just I just want to be frank and say that working with so now as we I'm just we'll clarify I am working now on this podcast as yes she is yes oh yeah I'm so happy um (laughs) uh yeah so essentially as a producer I'm kind of behind the scenes with a lot of other really amazing producers um working on this podcast and I came on because I love what is going on in terms of production in terms of talking in terms of conversation and content but then I just blown away by how effective y'all are do y'all are producing this thing. You guys have this extraordinary collaboration. And I'm mm. I have to say, as somebody that has been on many small teams, on many independent projects that are production projects, this is rare. And so you guys, <laughs> even though you quote unquote don't know what you're doing, you actually know exactly what you're doing. And it's extraordinary. I think she's trying to butter us up. For yeah, this I, for like for a burn, I I'm not that I'm not that. Clever. <gasps> oh my god, oh, we're getting shit. buttered up for the for burn. burn. Wow. I'm not that wow. clever. I'm only sincere. People sometimes think my uh, uh is maybe it's because I'm from like the south or I'm like really American, <laughs> but I'm just like so. It's really cool to be a part of the team, and y'all have like a very elegant way of collaborating. And you guys, they talk about how this is a collaborative podcast, and it truly is. So oh I just want to. Okay, I'm so dying. Let's get much. you know what. Since you guys, you guys, are MA students, you just can't. You guys are too bashful to take comments. It's yeah, y'all are. Uh, 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 but I do okay. have a notebook where I'm writing them all down, and I'm <laughs> them under my pillow at night. That's what we do. We don't yeah. get awards. We just, you know, yeah, we just write them up nice when we're depressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just look at your old journals. Yeah. All right. Too much earnest conversation. I would rather get into a somewhat overblown, uh, cynical (laughs) conversation about problems. Yeah, we don't like each other. (laughs) We have issues with each other. Yeah. So, all right. We've talked about the beef quite a bit at this point without Mm -hmm. entirely explaining it. What we're discussing right now is this dynamic between, uh, on the one hand, within film schools, mm-hmm. the the like theory and film criticism uh, mm-hmm. wing, and the filmmaking mm-hmm. side. Uh, and within schools, uh, our school included, there's a little bit of um, tension. There's a there's bit of tension. there's a little bit of shit talking in certain discords uh, from certain people sometimes. Um, Do you have a story, Kim? <laughs> oh, I, I would never. I don't talk about anybody behind their back, and I certainly wouldn't mention it on a podcast. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. Um, well, it's an outside of just school thing, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say, have you guys noticed how this beef goes from film school and it just like balloons out to the mm. industry as well? Should we wait? Should we clarify the difference between? the theorist and the critic because when I hear you talking about like ballooning into the industry my mind goes to the critic versus the filmmaker that's where it goes and so yeah I I think 
yeah, well, what do you, what's your take on it, Julia? Because mm. I have my initial impression, but I'm not sure what you think. I'm honestly, I defer to y'all. I'm pretty, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I know I this am. This is I, a ruse. She's lulling the... us into a, a false sense of security. When, mm. when Kim and I had a little conversation about the flow of this conversation, in a, mm-hmm. a pre-production meeting, as we would call it in the mm-hmm. That's what we call it too. So. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we, um, we call it that as well. A little pre-pro. Uh, Kim mentioned that she's going to define or explain that that difference, and I was pretty stoked because I don't have a way of ex- understanding it. Well, I think there's this sort of like spectrum of people mm-hmm. who write about movies, and it goes from like your pure film reviewers on one end. Mm-hmm. And then like theorists on the other end. So you've got film reviewers and that kind of like, there's this little interesting in-between area of critics, which are a lot of the time reviewing films and basically saying this is good or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you also have the think piece writers, right? Like there's a massive industry around just like, what are your thoughts on these movies? And Mm -hmm. what I think the beef we are talking about specifically has to do with like interpretation, like the way that the people who make money interpreting films made by people who make money mm-hmm. to make films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So theorists are on like the far end, usually getting uh, more involved in the like academia of it all. And, you know, engaging with the thoughts of a bunch of old dead white dudes like Kant and Lacan and yeah. Bart, who are actually, uh, except for Kant, like my two favorite Benjamin. dead white dudes. Oh, Benjamin. Benjamin. Oh, <laughs> I want to. Bordeaux? Bordeaux. Yeah, that hey, that's oh my the. Bordeaux is the cat. Okay, so <laughs> I'm getting all worked up now. Um, I think, I mean, <laughs> this this podcast is itself kind of like a combination, right? Because we have at the start, we have Cannon Fodder, which is like more of a review segment mm-hmm. where we're like, should you watch this movie? And that's like, like literally, like, I think one thing that even bothers me about like, critics is the whole like why should I listen to you but then I like as like a theorist on the other end being like here's why you should listen to me on my take (laughs) so it's uh backed up by centuries of people who also went to school and sat in libraries and and were maybe Nazis but uh we don't (laughs) yeah there's a there's a couple of them in there there's only a few oh god what do we do with our lives um but yeah so I think that's sort of the the definition of of the like group that we're sort of pitting against uh like the people we feel a certain loyalty to laura mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. the filmmakers not the nazis not the nazis <laughs> uh just want to clarify just that to right out the gate. yeah <laughs> not into it don't like it yeah i don't care who hears it too, right? <laughs> this, is this one, podcast this is-, is anti-nazi that's what, yeah. You can take that to the bank. Thank you We're for saying you can take that to the bank. It's one of my favorite phrases. We're moving on. So Julia, um, does that feel accurate to you? Like, I don't think that filmmakers are like, we hate reviewers necessarily because sometimes they say that they like the movies. Um, but there is this like tension, right? Around the people who make the story and are like, this is the story I'm telling you. And then the people who are like, this is what I'm going to take with that story and how I will interpret it. Yeah, and I don't. It. I just. I want to be upfront, and I don't even know. I want to. I know that there is a beef, and and I, that's why I want to get to the personal stories about it. But I honestly <laughs> don't understand why there there is a beef, and I with the critics and the filmmakers. That's just a practical one. Like, oh, why mm-hmm. didn't you like my film? I worked so hard on it, and like mm-hmm. now you told everybody you don't like it. 
but with the theorists i i just feel there's such a there should be an e there's like an equal amount of reverence that i i i have an, as much reverence for theorists and film essentially film academics and as a, as i think that they do for me and for my mm -hmm. fellow filmmakers the thing is is that you we as filmmakers uh just you know we have to crawl through glass like with like shorts on and like bleed <laughs> and and like get to just make any film any mm -hmm. film no matter whether it's a small film a short film or you know a huge tentpole movie every mm. single movie that's made and finished and brought to the final cut is a miracle and is in and when you get to the level of filmmaking that you know we as at, at USC are doing, it's not just a miracle; it's a miracle with so much heart and so much thoughtfulness, oh. and a lot of lot of conversations and a lot of like intention. And so, mm -hmm. to have that be matched with an equal amount of thoughtful, like just thoughtfulness, of, mm -hmm. you know, it just it's like oh, that makes it it just makes sense that something that's so uh involved in terms of creation would have equal amount of interpretation like baroque yeah look you're every, turning this yeah. beef into you're a just, fucking beyond burger i'm like i, I yo, feel de-escalated right now <laughs> i'm so sorry and i just, just i knew that's a lot of fluff i did i just i just went into it i went right into the heart of like how we call it a beef but we were only doing that to like get people listening okay no, you know what no 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 i need to i need to like remember let's air the we shit have laundry yeah, we i've do. got grievances do. Do. you we might be we do we do yes. we do thank you laura you might be the nice I'm here to, one i'm here to help y'all clean like your laundry <laughs> i'll help you fold oh, yeah. just, we, we just got to one get another therapy session to just be our bitch yeah. sorry <laughs> Um, no. Okay. So I, I met this, uh, filmmaker guy on hinge. This is for some reason, these are the people I match with like a stupid amount of mm -hmm. filmmakers, mm -hmm. Los Angeles, for some, for some Jesus reason. Christ. I, yeah. I, it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was talking to this one, we've since become friends. We work together. We're, we're good pals, but we're still in the hinge dating app. So the, the intent is flirtation, right? He asks me what I do. And I say, oh, I'm getting, uh, my, my master's degree at USC. And he was like, oh, that's so cool. I make movies. Are you in film? And I was like, I'm in film studies. So like writing about film, reading about film more than making film. I like the hesitation. You're like, oh. And he <laughs> said, oh, I hate film studies. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> just like right out the gate. I was like, this is what I do. And he just smacked it down. I and it was like, that. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> Where are you coming from, dude? Like, what's up, man? What's yeah, well, where on? he was coming from is that he went to school and he did film studies classes and he really didn't like them. He wanted to make movies and he was mm -hmm. like, why are we wasting all this time talking yeah. about all these things that don't matter? Uh, I personally disagree very strongly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, don't say that to people, you know, like they tell you what you, but they do. And you're just like, oh, I, hate, I hate that. <laughs> that dude, dude needs to get a life, man. He, <laughs> well, it's, I am, um, a glutton for punishment and <laughs> give men too many chances. So we are mm. actually rather good friends and he has a podcast and we were like sharing our social media pages with each other, like a couple days ago. 
And he's like, so why haven't you had me on the podcast? I know stuff. I can talk about movies. And I was like, it's a podcast about the thing that you quote <laughs> hate. <laughs> so I'm not inviting you on. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you, why are you mad at me right it's now? It's a pretty easy line to draw <laughs> in the sand. Like I, you, you kind of drew it yourself. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like, that's, that's the kind of Mm-hmm. Uh, experience I have it that we're dealing with there's also like class experiences uh that yeah. you might want to speak to Laura I mean yeah, I think it. just like a I you said it really well when it's like there's a like why are we wasting our time with this like I like filmmakers want to make movies and they don't want to be I mean this is this was the sense that we've gotten painting with right? a broad brush but painting with a very you broad know, brush there's a like, lot of nuance like you're in a film studies class and you people etc cetera, etc cetera. Wait, right. wait just to clarify uh yeah. so at USC all the films uh mfa students have to take six credits of uh what are called cam like cinema and media studies yeah yeah. cinema and media (laughs) studies courses yeah Um, and we have to take laura and i were in a class this summer we were yeah and that was fun Um, i was in a class with one smart production student sometimes we were in the same breakout rooms and it was fun (laughs) sorry that was really harsh (laughs) so basically like uh, there was a class that we had where the strong sense was from a lot of the, the vibe was that they didn't want to be there mm. because it was a, a waste of time and they wanted to because they not necessarily like a waste of time in that it like wasn't worthy, but in that they had things that they wanted to be doing instead. And that included like, you know, getting out there and actually doing things. And and that's especially when you're paying for like a, uh, when you're when you're paying for uh, classes, maybe you don't want to be made to spend money on a certain class when you feel like your time is better spent elsewhere. Mm. I, in a similar way, will have to take a production class at some point and am anticipating feeling a similar way because I don't have much of an interest in the kind of production classes that and many of the production classes that are offered. Uh, and I don't anticipate having a good attitude about it and I have a bad feeling it's probably not hold on I disagree entirely Laura because film studies students are major tryhards and teachers pets like okay like wait can I just give a shit so I'm gonna I'm gonna like I'm gonna butt in and say that actually it's gonna be harder than you think and however much you're a tryhard you're gonna be like fuck this shit at some point because filmmaking (laughs) yeah is so is so involved and yeah. I, I, this is the one moment when I'm going to say, Hey, like res- I have as much respect as you guys have for me. I have for y'all, but there have been in those classes in which my, you know, there was happened to be a cam student or um, a media studies student, a film study student. Mm-hmm. It's not that they didn't want to be involved. It's just that they like, didn't understand mm-hmm. how involved that they would need to be. And then yes. right, that was a, that was a struggle. Right. Okay. So, right. That's the thing though. So that's that what Laura's not... anticipating. I don't um... anticipate Laura just being like, I don't want to be. Well, I'm not going to be a dick about it. Obviously I- I'm probably not going to be a dick about it. I might be a dick about it. I don't know who can say for, for future Laura, but like, I, I think that the, my sense will be like, I would rather be uh, doing something that further was my own interests and my own, my, my own research interests, my own career and like with all due respect this is not where I want to be right now I don't want to be holding this boom pole like above my head for six hours <laughs> right six I did hours. and I like I arm day in, that's in my, free arm day you're in my, welcome production student in my personal experience I did enough of that in undergrad to learn that that wasn't what I like so um and presumably like people who, who did study film in undergrad as well 
did that too. A lot of them. So, um, but, uh, the yeah, other Laura, thing, when I turned the mic on you, I was like ready to release the Kraken and you're being incredibly measured right now. Because... And I'm so disappointed. <laughs> so, okay. I think that there, okay. So, so the other issue that I think this connects to a larger debate that we might get into later is the, like, when it comes to talking about a movie, there's, there have been experiences that we all shared with each other, the media studies kids of like, trying to talk about a movie and somebody in production being like well that's not what the that's not what the director said it's about so like uh, i think there was we watched happy together the wong kar wai film mm-hmm. and i think wong kar wai was like it's not a gay movie it's just about gay people and somebody like uh it is it's like and people in media studies were like it fucking is a gay movie, not just because it's about gay people, although that is obviously a big part of it, but like because it's uh, consciously or not embodies a lot of elements of like uh, LGBT culture. And so just Wong Kar Wai just kind of saying, well, it's not about, it's not part of the LGBT like ethos. It's like, but you're, you're right. So that was the, there was a point of tension there where mm-hmm. it felt like so one person was like, well, he said, as he, as the author said this thing, and we, as the students are saying that we don't care about what he says. And mm-hmm. that was like a kind of, I thought that was a good example of like, what the general um, debate can kind of how that can look. Dude, I feel like, oh, that's so interesting. And now I'm just, now we're just kind of like going into that as a, yeah. as a, if we were, as if we were in class. Because- <laughs> Wong Kar Wai, I, from what I've read and what I've, I, you know, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. He's a, he's a strange dude and he has opinions. (laughs) Yeah. Any, any, any person. Several filmmakers, I think, maybe fit under that. Right. Strange dude has opinions. Yeah. And so like for him to be, to say that this is, this is not this, it's like, okay, like, yeah, sure. You said that in one moment at one time, probably in an interview, but like, yeah, you don't really understand what actually you're saying you you know how to make a great movie you know how to tell an amazing very strange and very cool story that is unlike any other filmmaker out there Mm -hmm. but you don't actually know what you what you mean when you say this is this is not a gay movie you don't Mm -hmm. that's not unfortunate like there's only so many things that we can be great at and we can't be great at theory necessarily at the same time as we're great at filmmaking Mm. and honestly I have to kind of take that in right now like okay I need to like but no but it's it's just it's just important to like if a production student as you guys are going to continue to be in in classes with production students Mm. sure are if they're saying that then just acknowledge that they want their Wong Kar Wai to be the father of everything Mm. and you and it's like hey Wong Kar Wai and everybody else who's making who can't take up all the space because that's yeah it's just that's not reasonable like Mm -hmm. everything he made a great movie and that's that like yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting there's this kind of divide between like loving Wong Kar Wai's films and thinking they're the best films ever and like I love Happy Together and I love In the Mood for Love and watching them like multiple times and that he opens his mouth and says something I'm like shut up yeah 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 right 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 (laughs) Okay, I really no, want to come back like, to the oh, concept you're so of the death cute, of the dude. author. So <laughs> I really, cute. I want to come back here. Okay, um, but I think there's there's a couple more things that that you you brought up, like mainly because 
look, I'm going to come back because like I said, I'm a slut for Bart. I just love yes, him. I love yes. the guy. Yes. Uh, this is now a Bart. This is a Bart Stan podcast. It has been for several weeks. Yes. That's cool. I'm fine. Um, in what you're talking about, I think you're fair. You're, you're definitely, it's, you're in the right, Julia, to say that, um, Wong Kar Wai is good at some things and like maybe he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about but I think I'm, I'll be a little devil's advocate here I'll speak on behalf of the production students um I do think that there is a a slightly um intellectualist if that's a word uh bent mm-hmm. to the to the conversation of like well we study these movies and you just made them but you don't really Ooh. know what you're doing here <laughs> um yes and there's definitely. That's definitely a thing uh, on some levels where yeah, I've heard some, some people say just, some I'm real gonna, dumb shit and, I'm gonna just and I like, want to jump in and be a, a bit of a snob, but then I hear the words coming out of my mouth. Like anytime <laughs> I say the word ontology, I want like someone to slap me in the face. Well, no, it's definitely tricky. All of this is tricky. Um, but I, I, I almost say, I almost think, and I'm going to try to explain this, mm. but, and draw this connection. Mm-hmm. If, if we can't, question Wong Kar Wai as you guys are doing right now as y'all are doing when he's saying this is not a gay movie like what if a gay I mean I'm I want to like bring it into something very like uh, abstract but actually it probably makes more sense to be more concrete with with mm-hmm. this with this reference but like what if um an LGBTQ person is watching Happy Together and they think of it so vitally as like part of their their who they are and it's essential to their being mm. and that's just a hypothetical but Essentially, what we're saying by telling, by saying that Wong Kar Wai is correct, and that's it, and like that's end of conversation, and whatever he says goes, then we're denying that person their meaning at mm-hmm. the end of the day, and that's mm-hmm. that's what we have to be. That's what we have to be most vigilant against. So like, yeah, it's just like I think for anybody that's like feels rubbed the wrong way by a, an intellectualist type of conversation, then I would just invite, and this is just like a to all of these people out there that are listening, if you ever feel a little bit weird about these terms or in this conversation, if you think that somebody's just being too intellectual, then like, please say that. And so that yes. we can kind of get to the bottom of things because mm-hmm. the, at the bottom of this, at the bottom of everything of what we're trying to do here and in this podcast, in this filmmaking world in this storytelling thing, in this study, film studies thing, is just to get to meaning and to get mm. to and to hold that and keep that safe that's lovely we were god that makes damn it this was going to be a much cattier no, conversation this is a very go cozy, ahead Laura. this is a very cozy <laughs> podcast and I love this um that's huh. what that reminds me of a book Kim and I had to read for a class where it was talking about uh it was by an art historian who was talking about different um works of art that engaged with like environmental um mm. environmentalism which I know is something that you care a lot about mm. um and but it was written in such a way where it was like nobody could find this accessible like Mm -hmm. this is Mm. just how is this going to possibly help anybody when Mm -hmm. the way that you are writing it is like almost intentionally um uh I think obscurantist which is a pretentious intellectualist word for being pretentious and obscure and intellectualist (laughs) uh which is great uh so yeah it's like it's I I will definitely agree with you there like I mean, that kind of gives me chills. I just remember in college, like I said, I studied philosophy. Mm-hmm. And as I was getting into filmmaking, I was really figuring out how do I, it just naturally, I was bringing in I philosophy into my mm-hmm. filmmaking. 
-hmm. And it's still really weird and tricky. And whenever I, like, as I am right now talking about it, it starts to just go into intellectual zones of, and like very pretentious, weird places. And, uh, and I just kind of ran with that at the time I was working, I crafted this like very experimental thing called C project. And it was based on this, this paper that, that was presented by a Harvard philosopher at my school at Tufts. Uh-huh. And I remember, yeah, so somebody said, oh, well, we're about the A project. It's the Miller-Rainer project. And somebody's like critiquing that philosophically and said, oh, well, this is a, a more appropriate approach to making the world a better place. I'm going to call it the B project. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the audience said, hey, critiqued even that. And that's just the nature of philosophy. It's a constant critique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they said, hey, a dialectic. it's a dialectic. Thank you. Perfect. I'm so far removed that I forget these words. And that's, it's helpful to have these words. It, just hey, gets, yeah. it, it makes the conversation more efficient. Uh, yeah. And then, so there's one audience member who's a professor at Tufts, a philosophy professor, she said something, and then he just dismissed her, this Harvard professor. Turns out they were married. They are married. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. What? And then like, he just dismissed her comment. And then later on, as he was rapping, she just chimed in and she said, I'm about the C project. And I didn't no idea what she was talking about. I wrote C as an S-E-A on my uh-huh. hand. And mm-hmm. then that became a film project that I made, a C project. And C project, this philosophy, the philosophy of C project is that making the world a better place, the way to do that is not to think about, is to think about politics, is to think about the way that we think about things logically, but really at the very very core of how we're going to make the world a better place is for us to just consider everybody's experience wow at the beginning of things but anyway I remember I talked to this professor this and I was like hey I'm doing the C project and she's like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) and she was like hey you have to be careful you know what I mean she was Mm -hmm. just like just you have to be careful and I was like yeah yeah I know I understand and I'm it's I'm doing a like what I'm doing is I'm not writing it. So I'm, mm-hmm. it's for, it's for me. It's for, but no, essentially she was just like, be careful, you know, with these things and be careful with how you present these things, because mm. we want people to hear us. We want to make the world a better yeah. place. And so they have to, we have to do it in a way that's constant, that is accessible. And that is mm-hmm. considerate. Yeah. So my experience with the beef is I, you know, it's just through conversations I have with my my fellow production students. Mm-hmm. I just had one recently um, at the beginning of the semester. One one of my friends was talking about how they were. <laughs> I don't know. Just I don't want to like throw her under the bus, but because I get it. But she's saying like, "Hey, I don't want to pay money." It goes back to Laura how Laura was explaining things. I don't want to pay money for these people's opinions. I don't. I'm, <laughs> Oh. I, I just oh. want to oh, okay yeah, and, and she's like I just essentially what she was looking for was like a lecture class not a like not a seminar class and oh oh so when she said these people they meant she our was, opinions yeah. these, like you people like we people and That's, I oh, incredible oh I okay. I you know I don't I honestly That's, don't wait. feel one way or the other I actually don't want to just hear an old white man's opinion on things um Sometimes their opinions aren't great. <laughs> yeah. And like also, I mean, no, sometimes and they're they're valuable. I don't mean to just say that if you're an old white man, your opinion and your thoughtfulness on things is not thoughtful or valuable. It's just that like actually 
you guys are entrenched right now. You guys are entrenched, not just in the work of film studies, but in what's contemporary. So I'm very, very concerned with your opinion and your thoughtfulness on things. And if she was just stressed, like mm -hmm. trying to figure out her classes and so on and so forth. And she didn't ever study. I don't think she never mm -hmm. necessarily had any kind of media studies background. So she was just like looking for something that was, yeah. she, mm -hmm. but also what were the, the thing that people, I don't have no idea, but somebody else who I was hanging with was like, oh yeah, I feel the same way. And then their point was a really simple one. Like, hey, uh, film studies people tend to overthink the details about things. And what actually ends up happening is sometimes there's the reason why that base is in the corner is because that base was like there. And I actually don't think that's true. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe on an independent film, on an independent film set, like things are kind of happening. And yeah, and like the way the film happens is a lot of times serendipitous and you mm -hmm. just let things happen. And you, but actually every single thing is intentional. Mm -hmm. and the that's called mise-en-scene bitch yeah <laughs> mise-en-scene exactly and everything on the screen everything on the screen and yes every once you put everything on the screen and the way that it all comes together is this uh, magical thing that is beyond the filmmaker's intention and control but actually if we rewind if we really look at filmmaking and the processes which is actually what we're doing at film school <laughs> We, we realize that everything is very detailed and very intentional. And to look at all those details and to extract meaning from all those details, what all that we could ask for from an audience member. Oh my goodness, you're back to complimenting <laughs> us again. There's a, there's a great uh, anecdote I heard from Kevin Smith about clerks that I, uh, I just love where <laughs> he, he you know- Kevin Smith anecdote. <laughs> yeah, he's best anecdote teller, but he talks about- The one author that's not dead. <laughs> well uh, despite his movies not being very good um but like so clerks i love clerks um mm. he has a uh it's black and shot in this grainy black and white right and like the reason for that is because he uh didn't have the money to like light it or like or the mm. knowledge i think uh, it was just kind of like lit in a convenience store and um to just save time he made it all black and white but somebody some critic said it kind of looks like the the way it's framed and lit is like the the the, the footage of a cctv camera you know like mm -hmm. a security camera at a store so in every subsequent interview after he heard that that review kevin smith was like it's it, the idea was to evoke uh, a cctv <laughs> camera which i just love um but i think um i think that there's this is definitely something that i grapple with when it comes to like film studies and, and, and media studies which is like my personal um interest in media studies uh has to do with like how uh how media affects like uh political activity and like like culture in a way mm -hmm. that i view as um fairly concrete like if you if you watch if you watch say the social network mm -hmm. what do you take away from that and like how does that influence how you view the world and how you view women right. um and uh, and so I think reading into, but there is a part of it that's like, why are we like, what's the point of reading into something a certain way? And that's my mm -hmm. own, I think my own, like within like our side, within our media study side, there's like a, a snobbery, like a snobbery within the snobbery, which is like, well, I'm doing the stuff that's useful. And mm -hmm. you're just like, you're off there with your, like looking at the vase and like, I also mm -hmm. don't think, you know, mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, I think one thing that is very important to clarify is the like a major part of the beef is that on the one hand, yeah, we do. There are definitely some some parts of media studies. Like it's a very broad field with a mm-hmm. lot of small niches. And uh, like I had to do a reading, like a twenty page reading the other day for an <laughs> interactive media class about buttons. <laughs> like <laughs> it was straight up buttons, and the whole like thing buttons was like, on a shirt or buttons on yeah, the like, a, like an elevator button. Oh, or like okay, a, okay. Like a button oh, that you press to make shit, something happen. Ooh, phenomenology of the button. I'm, uh, it was, it was if only if only if it was a phenomenology. <laughs> no, it was a historiographic like recontextualizing of the concept of interactive media, and like is the button like one of the first instances of interactive media and how did like and I was just like I don't care I need a beer I don't yeah. I don't care about that <laughs> I mean so that but somebody does but like and, anyway and it is yeah and the whole button thing is like a very specific they aren't like this button in this movie matters so there's it's kind of to clarify cool. there's like, definitely just, like that I just very hate when people are so cynical and they're like that's not cool why is that person so concerned about buttons? It's like, well, dude, why are you so so concerned with that person? Like, get a get a life, man. Like, you're just as concerned about the way that the light is hitting that button. So, Jesus Christ, okay, you weren't listening. That was to this. really good. I liked that. Um, I hope you I were listening to this earlier, like before we started recording. When I was shitting on Dear Evan Hansen for a movie that people just love, because my cold, yeah. cold heart wasn't warm by it um laura's favorite <laughs> hobby is definitely yucking other people's yums and then feeling bad about it it's really great <laughs> it's feel true bad it's fun feeling talk. bad about it that makes it a, a laura special yeah okay but despite these buttons right which is a very specific way of looking at media history which is probably one of the more uh in my personal opinion boring aspects of media studies <laughs> Textual analysis, which is what I do, a lot of close readings of filming and like how Mm. lighting, how like particular filmmaking styles contribute to like an overall movement, an overall aesthetic, an overall like social impact. Um, There's, I'm not crying for the vase-based theory because (laughs) there isn't one. (laughs) Like there's not really theorists who are like, you see that though over there in the corner, maybe that means this. Like that's not necessarily what's going on. I think one of the Dude, best is, ways I read no, no, really no 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, okay, okay. but one of the best ways okay this this goes back to Wong Kar Wai right you can be like Wong Kar Wai doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about uh when he says this isn't a gay film and he doesn't you're right but the reason why we're saying happy together is a queer film not just a film about queer people is specific stuff like um listeners if you want to go check out our snack episode about queer temporality oh like that is one of the ways that theorists look Mm. at happy together and they Mm. theorize it as a a film that uses queer aesthetics that um replicates and represents queer experiences of the world like queer temporality which is basically I'm going to do a snack episode right now. Um, Wait, I just want to insert and say, hey, guys, for all you listeners, I'm one of them. These snack episodes are so helpful. And also (laughs) it just goes back to how smart this podcast is and and valuable. It is like when when Kim is talking about Wong Kar Wai's Happy Together as uh, a form or like an expression of queer temporality, I would I would. Do you actually know what I'm talking about? Well, listen, I would bulk if it wasn't for these 
Like I just listened to that snack episode two weeks ago and I was like, oh, okay, that was helpful. And now you're using it. And I literally, like now you're using queer temporality to talk about a movie. And I literally got no. chills in my whole body. Because Holy shit, so, it worked. Oh my just, God. It worked because, and it's, that's such a meaningful thing to think about queer temporality with Wonka, like with any film or anything. Mm. So, so please like take the time to listen to these snack episodes. Look, y'all, I think what happened here today is probably <laughs> the the best thing that could have happened. If you guys could see the outline that we have for this episode, it's not this nice. No, it's not. But I think this was just like a lot of affirmation. Um, I think I think what I want to ask you guys, though, too. OK, yeah, is. Yeah, let's have like a, you, a wrapping up question. Do you ever feel I mean, because you and, and I don't want to feed into your own anxiety, but how do you how do you grapple with this this question of, oh, am I overreading something? Radically unearned self-confidence. <laughs> no, I take that back entirely. That's actually one of my least favorite things about uh, film studies classes is when you start, there's a lot of passion and not a lot of uh, experience, which mm -hmm. I do too. Mm -hmm. I luckily have a lot of anxiety. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of people, um, there's a, a certain sect of people that film studies attracts uh, who like to come in and really aggressively tell you their opinion about a movie. Um, but one of my favorite things about film studies, which is the opposite of these like super annoying dudes who will just like bust in and be like, hey, this is why like Tarantino's- Like because that's lame. Hey, Wong Kar Wai is right and that's it. <laughs> hey, of, this is why Quentin Tarantino is one of the best filmmakers of all time. <laughs> right. uh, sure. Because there is like a body of work that you can refer to, you know? Mm. There's like, if you want to say Quentin Tarantino is the best filmmaker of all time, first of all, watch his movies. He's not. But secondly, uh, this is also <laughs> Tarantino hate podcast. Yes. But secondly, you can look at the history of films and the history of aesthetics that he's pulling from mm -hmm. um, and the way that he is sort of reappropriating, repackaging in some ways, adjusting to make improvements for modern audiences and modern storytelling techniques. And in other ways, stripping them of all their meaning uh, and re representing like a hollow amalgamation of other more spiritual and soulful work. Um, all that is to say, you can like read a lot of really interesting people's really interesting thoughts. It's my favorite part of psychoanalysis is parsing what I believe and am convinced by what I just don't understand and what I do understand and think is dumb. Like just that act of being able to interpret, like theory isn't just about interpreting someone else's art. I get to interpret someone's theory, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people get frustrated by my favorite theoretical framework, mm -hmm. psychoanalysis, mm -hmm. because they sort of meet it as a solid brick wall of someone saying, well, Freud is right. And that is the opposite of what theory is about. It's about meeting Freud and Lacan and all of these other thinkers, immense, fractured, pixelated body of work, and like trying to figure out which version you agree most with and then mm. building on it having read other stuff bringing in other ideas and theories so that's how I avoid overreading um mm. by reading more <laughs> yeah I 
I, I'll, I'll say my own piece, which is that I think that overreading can be really fun sometimes. Like if you're ever just like sitting down, there's a, a Disney Channel original movie called Teen Beach Movie that I absolutely love. And I got one of my friends to watch it one time and we had like an hour and a half long conversation about it afterward, dissecting things that like definitely weren't intended, but it was so much fun. And there's like, I think that that can kind of, can like, there's a spectrum there where like, mm-hmm. like, I really love this field because I think that it it shapes the way I look at the world and I think that it it shapes the way everybody looks at the world media does and um breaking mm-hmm. down like why and figuring out why and figuring out how media and understanding it can help like forge a better like a better future mm-hmm. is why I love it so much and I think part of you know no matter what your like tiny little niche is you have to just believe that it matters. And I think that, that there is like kind of an analog there for like making a film where it's like you you have yeah. to believe that your yeah. film is is valid and like that this is that this thing that you're making that you're so passionate about is worthwhile. Is worthwhile mm-hmm. and is gonna help somebody. I uh oh, wait, I just can I uh this is cool please. to get into and I think Kim and I even talked about making this as building this into another episode. But yeah, you as a filmmaker, you actually have to be everything is tricky and everything uh like writing is tricky politics everything but when you're looking at making a film you actually have to be very you, not just you can't just believe in whether this is a good idea you have to there is a gut instinct but mm-hmm. at, at some point you have to think is this reasonable is this okay to do this this way because i am putting a lot of people not uh on the line for this movie mm. like the mm-hmm. amount of work that and that like the late like there's right now there's a labor um there's a vote for a labor strike by the unions like the uh, uh, below the line union workers which is everybody except for producers directors everybody that's above the line is essentially there's like six and it's just the head of departments mm-hmm. but everybody else like the thousands of people that work on a marvel movie or like mm-hmm. the hundreds of people that work on a tv series or the dozens and dozens of people that work on a mini series. Like they just mm-hmm. uh, there's always a th- hundreds of people that work on movies, and you have to think: Is what I'm doing not just do I believe in this story and do I believe in this idea, my vision? But is this the best way to do it? Is this the like? Should I do? Like I'm in the process right now of deciding as a producer: Should I do this project? Even though we're mm. you know we're like a month out from shooting, I'm like, hey guys, let's take a let's take a let's put the brakes on and say actually we don't have time to make this shoot safe for everybody that's involved. Mm -hmm. So I am not, this is a no-go for me. Mm -hmm. We can't, I'm not going to be a part of this production if we, if it's shot in this timeline, because I can't be assured that what we're going to do is one safe. And then of course, it's the question of, is it going to be good? Like, is it going to be, but the first thing that I'm concerned with Mm -hmm. is, is is this thing safe? Um, And that's yeah. really good of you. Yeah. I like how you came back to it and you were like, it's the safety is the most important thing. Yeah. Part of my brain's like, I don't know, it's going to be good, but that's, <laughs> that's but also important. like, there's just like, we're on a, I'm at, cause I've made so many things. I've, and like, it's like, actually, is this going to be good for everybody involved? Like, mm-hmm. I honestly, and it's, this is a now just like believing thing. This is a value thing. I do feel like if you make something that everybody's happy, to be a part of then it's going to be excellent mm-hmm. and yes there are ways to push things forward and make things happen so that in, in which 
the final result and the final product is brilliant, excellent, exquisite, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But those, the people that were involved hated every moment of it. And I cannot imagine ever doing that. Like mm-hmm. what I'm more interested in is taking the time to make something as worthy or as excellent as this other person might make. But I want to take the time to make it so that we're all enjoying ourselves through, through that process. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of narcissism involved, I think, on both in certain no. certain types on like uh-huh. no, in every single field across uh, like the world. But like especially in when it comes to I think both like intellectuals and artists have a kind of like, but this is my vision. This is <laughs> this is my work. OK, uh-huh. like maybe don't. Um, so I think it's uh, I mean, I think it's really great that you're like conscientious of that. And there's so much like um I, th- I think that like I sort of alluded to this too during our cannon fodder segment but like theory and is really helpful I think in understanding how we can make more like ethical productions uh at least in ter- like in terms of the text but also very much in terms of the set and how it's um how it's built and how it's created because of course you can't um you can't make something that like makes the world a better place truly yeah. unless behind the camera that's also mm-hmm. happening um wow yeah. i think what we're saying right now is that the beef in fact comes down to death of the author okay because <laughs> i don't know here, here we are here i'm gonna i'm gonna take us there gonna take right? us home i'm gonna take us home um because what what you're describing that narcissism laura uh, and and also julia you too, when you were talking about like, I believe in this, I want this to be made. Like I, this is my vision, right? There's a desire, I think, obviously on a filmmaker's part to be the determiner of, mm. of meaning, like the one who crafts meaning for the viewer. And that is not entirely possible as described by Roland Bart in The Death of the Author. But I think there's also on the side of the theorist or the critic or the interpreter, right? This desire for authorship that by looking so closely, by becoming so invested in a, in a film um, or in the interpretation and analysis of a film that I then get to have some sort of authorship of meaning as well. That, that my theory creates meaning as much as, as a filmmaker's stuff creates meaning. And this beef is really just like people being like, I don't know. I think my interpretation of like wanting that agency and wanting that authorship over storytelling that in reality, like you can tell just by the way that below the line workers are treated, that there's a sort of attempting to distance Mm -hmm. people from credit for creation. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we all, maybe this is my, can't we all just get along moment terribly sorry but if we all did get to a point of like releasing ego from our love and passion for these cultural products these pieces of art Mm. then I don't think there would be nearly as much beef because Mm. it really just feels like a tug of war over like who gets to decide what this story Mm. means and who gets to take credit for the authorship of meaning in this process that's cool let's turn this beef into a delicious brisket sandwich <laughs> shred the beef. Shred, shred the beef. Shred can the I just beef. leave? Can I Hashtag leave? Hashtag shred the beef. I want to leave with something that I just got from a production class. It's mm. um that is totally in sync with this idea of releasing ego so that we can 
find meaning together. And so oh. I think that, yeah, that's a good summation of what you're saying, which I, I can't wait to re-listen to in this, in the, <laughs> in the podcast. Can't so, wait for you to edit it. I can't wait. Um, so I want to give the, give a shout out to Barnett Kalman, who's the, he is a directing professor at, in the production division. Mm-hmm. Um, like very intense. He's like the director, pro- directing professor that everybody's like, oh, like, he's going to rip you apart. He literally mm. does in class. He just breaks it everything down and people cry sometimes, a lot of times. Anyway. Uh, as they should. Oh. Right. As they should. I mean, this is like, a little bit. We're making reasons. art, guys. We're making art. Not from abuse, but from like real genuine investment in their work and yeah. also the process of making it better. Right. just like, the, yo, dude, this guy has been doing it. He's won many Emmys. He knows mm. what the fuck he's doing. You do not sit down. Um, <laughs> Uh, so no, Barnett pointed out in a class um, and how the the word for director in French is, I'm not going to say this well, but realistor, like it's realizatore, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Julia, can you just like throw in, not you, Julia, sorry. Uh, Julia, Julia Rose, Rose Camus, Camus, can you get us some French? Sorry. Please, please do. <laughs> Hi, it's Julia Rose Camus from the editing room with your daily episode French lesson. The word they were looking for was réalisateur, also known as metteur en scène. Um, yeah, and that this idea, it's it's you can see the meaning in, in English. Um, the realizer. Realize. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. to realize you're not direct like this. It's such a t- he was just he wasn't totally getting you. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was like, what a terrible word we have for that same thing mm. it's director it's very mechanical mecha- exactly mm. that was exactly i think that's exactly what he used to talk about it whereas the the french word for it is realizing it's just mm. realizing this thing that's in front of us it's not it's not and it's to- it, it essentially has it's devoid of more of ego like mm. you're not directing it you're not even interpret he's very barnett is like please don't try to interpret what's what's in front of you just realize it just Mm. see like what these two people together as actors are doing and guide it you know and like cultivate it and he talks about being a midwife at some point he's like you know oh I love that I love that oh my god I do I I just shout out to Barnett Kalman he's a good one Hey, Barnett. 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 Oh my gosh. Come on the show. The director. I'm I'm not comfortable with it. (laughs) I feel like we're not good enough yet for Barnett. Maybe he'll tear us apart. (laughs) Be like, this is a podcast. Yeah, he might. (laughs) Work on your sound quality. (laughs) Yeah, like maybe. (laughs) Wow. Thanks. That's it. Media Literate is a collaborative podcast produced by Colton Elsie, Sebastian Wurzreiner, Laura Broman, Kim Henry, Julia Rose Camus, and Julia Elizabeth Evans. This episode was edited by Julia. Our theme music is Soft Feeling by Chiel, and our logo was created by also Julia. Hey guys, Julia Elizabeth Evans here. If you're curious to learn more about what it means to work on a set, to be a part of the crew uh, and to understand all the ins and outs and all of the 
hard work that goes into making the things that you watch and the things that we talk about on this podcast, then check out our snack episode on the IATSE strike. Thanks so much. Bye.